You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast, presented by BetDSI. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas to break down this Saturday's UFC 247 event, which takes place in Houston, Texas. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. Looking back at our last event, Kyle Marley won 0.5 units for UFC on ESPN Plus 24 after going 2-1 on his premium bets. Kyle has his bets and fantasy MMA picks available now on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Back to the present, UFC 247 features a 12-fight card in total and will be aired on UFC Fight Pass, ESPN, and Pay-Per-View this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on Fight Pass is a featherweight contest between a pair of UFC newcomers as Austin Lingo, who is 7-0, takes on Yusef Zalal, who is 7-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? A few quick shout-outs here before we get rolling. First off, check out BetDSI.eu. That's our sponsored sports book, and the odds I'll be quoting, the updated odds, that is, is from BetDSI, so make sure you head over to DSI and check them out. Head over to MMAOddsBreaker.com and click on our Premium Picks tab. That's where you can find Big Marley 3's Premium Picks. The guy's been on fire, up over 264 units the last 20 months, so you cannot miss out on his Premium Picks, and they are available at MMAOddsBreaker.com, so head over and check those out. And, of course, head over to UFC Fight Pass and make sure you guys check out On the Line for UFC 247. It's available right now on UFC Fight Pass. It's the betting show that we do with Yanni the Greek, myself, and Brendan Fitzgerald. Make sure you check it out. We have a great episode for UFC 247, including some bets on there that you're going to want to check out for sure. So that's what we got going on right now, and I'll get right into this card right now without at further delays. Man, we have another good fight to start things off. I mean, Lingo and Zalal. Lingo actually opened at minus 500, the opening betting odds, and Zalal came in at plus 375. And right now, what we're seeing over at BetDSI, it's dropped all the way down to Lingo minus 204, the comeback on Zalal at plus 168. So needless to say, everybody came in and hopped on the value at Zalal plus 375. And there definitely was some value at that price for sure. Now, as it's dropping a little bit more, I mean, it gets definitely becomes a little bit of a head scratcher because I think this is an intriguing fight for sure. And I can see both guys having a path to victory here. For Lingo, it's actually probably keeping this fight upright and using his fist, man. The guy has power in both hands. I mean, he definitely has that kind of knockout capability. He's got clean striking. He comes from a good camp. I should mention that right off the rip as well. He's from Fortis MMA, so he's going to be kind of more of the local guy here um, fighting out of Texas, of course. And like I said, he's a well-rounded fighter overall, but it's his hands that I think are lightning, man. The guy has power, he has accuracy, and he's definitely a threat on the feet. If you do put Lingo on his back, he does have submissions and has decent BJJ as well, and he's capable of finishing you with a sub. But again, in this matchup against Zalal, I think he wants to keep this fight upright and try to knock Zalal out. Zalal, on the other hand, another well-rounded mixed martial artist, also coming out of a good camp. Um, he's training at Factor X out of Colorado, so a good team behind him as well. There's a lot to like about him. I think he's a pretty complete fighter. I don't think his stand-up is where he wants to be in this spot, though. I think it's okay overall. He does have effective knees, good timing with those knees when he throws them, and he's got a little bit of power, but I think where it's at for him is getting the fight to the floor, using his wrestling and utilizing his ground game, and that's what he's going to want to do against Lingo to get this win here. So I could, like I said, see both guys having a path to victory here. I'm going to go a little bit more towards Lingo in this spot as far as a pure pick goes. As far as a betting window goes, it's, it's tough for me to lay two to one um, over Zalal right now. So I, I can understand, again, why you guys came in, those of you that did take Zalal at the dog price. Um, but for me right now, I think it's kind of a favorite or pass situation. I'm not looking to bet Lingo at this price. If it drops even lower, maybe it becomes intriguing. But uh, for me, it's probably a pass at the betting window. But my pure pick is going to be Lingo to get it done. This fight was added to the card on pretty late notice just to make sure it was a, a little bit more of a fleshed out fight card. So neither of these guys got a ton of time to prepare for their UFC debuts. But that being said, Lingo is a, a terrifying fighter. I mean, just ferocious. Uh, out of his seven wins, four have been just about in the first 30 seconds of the first round. 
Um, but his conditioning also has been tested because two of his wins are by decision. So it seems like the guy can go the distance. Um, he's got the, the durability and conditioning and he's got ferocious finishing ability, a uh, big power in his right hand and, uh, a little bit of submissions. Um, definitely knows what he's doing if the fight goes to the ground. Now, Zalal, on the other hand, LFA veteran, very talented. Uh, this guy has extremely well-timed knees. So if Lingo's ducking his head, moving in, uh, Zalal could definitely catch him. Uh, Zalal has, uh, cracked people with, like, wrestlers with knees. His last fight in LFA, he won by a, a flying knee knockout. So, uh, definitely capable of hurting you there. He has pretty good movement on the feet and, and he's typically looking to take fights to the floor. So, uh, Lingo on the other hand, while he's good off of his back, uh, has shown a little bit of a, an issue being, uh, with takedown defense. So, um, there is definitely a path to victory here for Zalal. He just needs to survive on the feet, potentially mix it up with uh, his knees and, Look for takedowns. And if he can get a takedown, he needs to stay on top and not leave a lot of space because Lingo is active off of his back and does have uh, some good submission ability, as Nick mentioned. So uh, this is a really interesting fight uh, between two very talented featherweights, but uh, Zawal definitely has way less momentum than Lingo right now because uh, he lost uh, two of his last three, actually, uh, before earning this opportunity. And while Lingo has just been dominant so far in his MMA career. So I'm going to side with Lingo. I've seen Zalal get cracked by some strikers that have a lot less power and technique than Lingo. And I think uh, it potentially is only a matter of time before Lingo knocks him out. But if Lingo cannot stop the takedown and can't do anything about it once it's on the ground, this fight becomes interesting in a hurry. But my pick will be Lingo. Now, dropping down to the Bantamweight division, we have Andre Ewell, who is 15 and 6, taking on Jonathan Martinez, who is 11 and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds maker's perspective on this one? Ewell open minus 190, the comeback on Martinez at plus 165. And right now, what you're seeing over at BetDSI is Ewell minus 123, the comeback on Martinez at plus 103. So line margins have tightened up, and obviously more action coming in on Martinez as the dog. And, and I rightfully so. I agree with it. I mean, especially at the opening line. This fight is definitely a lot closer to a pick'em. In fact, you can make a case for Martinez being favored in this fight. Um, I do like both fighters here. I think they're both definitely talented. Um, but I think, like I said, you can make a case for Martinez. Other than the physical attributes that Ewell's going to hold here in this spot over Martinez, I just think Martinez is the better fighter. I think he's more vicious on the feet. He's the better striker overall. I think he can be a little bit more effective, especially if he gets inside and utilizes um, his movement and his, like I said, his striking skill against Ewell. Ewell does have some reach, so it's not going to be easy at times, and he does have some wrestling, and I think Martinez is going to have to keep this fight upright um, to be able to do some damage as well, but I do think he does that, especially as the fight progresses. I think Martinez is actually going to get stronger. He probably gets top position on the ground at times as well, and like I said, on the feet, I think he's just the better and more devastating striker of the two. So I think he has a capability of actually finishing this fight as it progresses. Even if it's not looking good early for Martinez, I think as the fight goes, I think he could turn things around and actually start kind of finding his groove as Ewell starts to slow down a little bit, um, as we've seen as of late a little bit too. So, I mean, I just think, like I said, I think there's more upside to Martinez. I know Ewell's going to definitely be a solid test in this spot, and he's going to have to overcome some physical attributes like I mentioned, but I do think Martinez gets it done here. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets it done inside the distance, but even if he hits the scorecards, I think he wins at least 29-28 type of decision. So my pick is Martinez, and it is a dog or pass situation. If you're getting plus money on this, I think Martinez is probably the way you want to lean. Both of these guys are talented. Um, Ewell is just loaded with talent, and he's he's definitely had an up-and-down UFC run so far. It seems like when he's stepped up in competition, that's really when he's struggled, um, especially those uh, – the losses to Nathaniel Wood and Marlon Vera, two top 15 Bantamweights right now. And Ewell was competitive with Vera too. He just, his last fight, he just ran out of steam. It was, it was really frustrating. The fight was even after two rounds and he just couldn't keep his hands up anymore, which is kind of surprising. You know, Bantamweight, you expect the fighters to uh, be able to stay conditioned and not gas 
uh, at those lower weight classes. So if that happens here, I'm, I'm big time concerned because uh, I think Martinez would just completely take over, get, uh, he would, he would frustrate Ewell on the feet because Ewell wouldn't be able to just keep up with the pace and he might be getting takedowns and, and putting Ewell on his back. Um, that being said, in terms of like ability, I still think Ewell is the more talented fighter here. Um, and he has a lot of length, really difficult to deal with. And if he can keep Martinez at the end of that long jab and he does have a great jab, um, and just not gas himself out, he should be in good shape. It's just, will he gas? Um, because I mean, that was just so disappointing in that last fight. I, I picked him to win and he let me down big time. So I don't know why I should be trusting him again, but I still think that the talent is there. And as long as he fights up to his potential, it's a winnable fight here. Martinez is a good opponent, but he's not top 15 in my opinion. And I think you know, even top 15, potentially top 10 are the guys that, that give Yule trouble. So I'm going to side with Yule, but definitely with, uh, I'm definitely advising caution on anybody picking him after the performance and, uh, the way that he slowed down in his last fight. So moving on, we, and sticking with the Bantamweight division, we have Domingo Pilarte, who is eight and two, taking on Journey Newsom, who is nine and two. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? This fight opened exactly pick. Pilarte minus 120, Newsom minus 120. And right now what you're seeing over at BetDSI is Pilarte minus 123. Comeback on Newsom around plus 103. Market price about 125 out there on the Donbass screen, 130s out there as well. Pilarte is getting um, a little bit more action as we're speaking coming in his way, and I think rightfully so as well. I mean, I, I get it. I understand. Uh, I think this is going to be a pretty competitive fight. Pilarte let a lot of people down out there, and I think a lot of people jumped off his bandwagon in his loss um, to Kolaris. But the truth is, I mean, as we've seen, I mean, Kolaris isn't that bad. I mean, he's definitely capable in improving to the point where he can give good fighters competitive fights and i think he's no easy out so that wasn't necessarily a bad loss for pilarte he was competitive um but i think again his stock did definitely take a, a big drop for that now newson on the other hand made his ufc debut obviously didn't go well for him um but he was competitive um, I, I give him a lot of credit for hanging in there as well because i mean he was he was fa- facing a very good um I want to say hyped, but also recognizable, well-rounded, uh, well-known fighter in Ramos, which is very dangerous, especially on the ground as well, um, in all areas really with Ramos. And he hung in there. He didn't get um, finished. He got you know hung in there on short notice and went to the cards. He doesn't have stamina issues. He's, he's got good boxing. He's got good stand-up skill overall. He's got good kicks as well. Um, he does have a boxing background. I should mention that. Of course, Newsom does. So, But with that, he does also have a capable ground game. He's got a good guillotine choke. You can't uh, sleep on his chokes either. So uh, there's a lot to like about Newsom. And I actually think he has a stand-up advantage here in this spot over Pilarte, despite Pilarte being a physically bigger fighter here in this spot. So if the longer this fight stays on the feet, I mean, I think Pilarte could definitely have success, but I think that's kind of where Newsom wants to be is on the feet in this fight because he's going to use his speed and his striking ability to probably uh, do okay. But the problem here is for him, I think he does get smothered. I think Pilarte does take his back at some point and kind of just do what he does best, either blanket him, backpack him, um, start looking for that rear naked choke, start looking for subs, and, and just kind of runs out enough clock where I think he's going to end up stealing the cards. If it does go to the cards and he's not able to finish, um, I think he at least is able to beat Newsom on the scorecards. But I wouldn't be surprised, even though Ramos wasn't able to submit him and he's a good submission artist, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Pilarte along the way does find that sub here in this spot. So I think Pilarte could find a finish. I think just his physical attributes, again, are going to be too much, and I think it's going to probably be the ground that ends up winning him this fight over Newsom. So I'm expecting a competitive fight, but I think Pilarte is going to be too much, and it is a favorite or pass situation at the price. So minus 125, minus 130s out there. I think there is a little bit of value probably with Pilarte's way, but you can't go nuts on this fight. I mean, there's still a lot to be determined uh, for either of these guys, but I'm going to pick Pilarte to win. And I'm right with you on this one. Uh, Newsom is a talented fighter, and he probably is the, the, the better striker here, but I think Pilarte mixes it up just too much. Uh, you know, neither guy obviously uh, performed up to expectations in their UFC debuts, but I just think that overall Pilarte is the the more well-rounded fighter 
and I mean, literally seven inches taller at, at Bantamweight. That is just freaky. Um, so as long as Pilarte is able to utilize those physical gifts that he has and doesn't walk into some you know, huge hook from Newsom, I think he's going to be in good shape. I think Pilarte holds his own on the feet and I think he can actually mix in some takedowns as well. Um, so, uh, this is, uh, a much more winnable fight for Pilarte after, uh, that disappointing performance. Um, that being said, you know, Newsom took his UFC debut on really short notice. So, uh, and he was able to survive against a strong grappler, you know, didn't get finished. So, you know, we definitely did not see what he was capable of either. So if Newsom steps up and performs, uh, more to his capabilities, I mean, we could be in for a big surprise here, but that being said, I think, you know, Polarte had the hype entering the UFC debut and he let us down. But now that he's got those UFC jitters out of his, out of the way, this is a much more winnable fight for him. I think he gets the job done. So Polarte is going to be my pick. Now, again, sticking with the Bantamweight division, we have Miles Johns, who is 10 and 0, taking on Mario Batista, who is 7 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? What a fight, man. I'm looking forward to this one. Minus 275 Johns plus 175 Batista was the opening line. And right now what we're seeing over at BetDSI is currently Johns minus 130, the comeback in Batista plus 108. So line margins have tightened up. Obviously the plus money on Batista is gone. You know, I mean, this is going to be a good fight. It's going to be competitive, obviously. That's why people are coming in on Batista. I know Miles Johns has all the hype. I mean, he's supposed to be the Bantamweight prospect, potentially a future champion. I mean, the guy's that legit. If you look at what he's been through throughout his career, and again, an Access TV type of fighter, an LFA or whatnot as well. I mean, Miles Johns is definitely a fun fighter to watch. He has the ability in all areas to excel, really. I mean, so he's not your usual striker on the feet. He's got fast hands. He's got good boxing. He's got power. So he's above average there. He's above average with his wrestling, and he's got good submissions to go along with it as well. So he's fun to watch, and Batista has his hands full here for sure. But a lot can be said about Batista as well. I think Batista's only getting better. I mean, you know, both these guys I should mention right away as well. John's training with Fortis MMA, so good camp again. Going to be more of the local fighter. Batista training at the MMA lab in Arizona, so he's training at a good camp as well. I mean, both these guys are really getting better fight by fight because of the training partners, because of their coaching, because of the environments they're in. And I think Batista really has never been better. And I think he's going to come to this fight knowing what to expect from Johns. I mean, Johns brings that wrestling, like I said, to the table. But I think Batista's the type of fighter that even if he gets taken down in other fights, he does bounce back up again. And that's key. I mean, if a fighter can't keep you down and, and you're a better striker, which I think in this case, Batista probably will find more success than Johns on the feet. And I think he probably will be able to bounce off his back and get back up to his feet and have success against Johns. Batista is going to have some size. He's going to be longer. Um, and he's going to be a threat definitely in all areas. And the clinch, I think he could slice Johns up a little bit as well. And I mean, if anything, Johns defense could be a little bit better. And I think Batista's offense is going to be a threat here in this fight. So that's why I'm leaning a little bit more towards Batista. I know again, if Johns wins, I think it's because of his wrestling. It's because he's going to mix everything up and get some takedowns and, you know, mix in some decent boxing along the way. And that's maybe how he steals the cards here. But I think Batista probably does enough to keep this fight upright. And like I said, kind of really pick Johns apart along the way, do a little bit more damage and sway the judges his way because of the striking differential. I think we're going to see here. So I think it's going to be a close fight might be a split decision type of fight, but I do think it's Batista's fight to win or lose. And I think it's probably the hardest fight Johns has ever had. And again, you could probably say the same for Batista, but uh, this is definitely a test for both guys looking forward to it. My pick officially is going to be Batista. So it's definitely a dog or pass situation at the betting window too. And I understand that Batista can win. He is definitely a talented fighter and he has some excellent striking ability. And if this fight stays upright the whole time, I would definitely favor him. Uh, the problem is I just don't think the fight is going to stay upright the whole time. Um, I mean, Batista looked great, uh, out brawling, uh, Jin Su San in, uh, that fight of the night performance at, uh, UFC San Antonio, but, um, you know, Miles Johns is a stud. I mean, this guy is a very, very talented ground fighter. Um, if he gets this fight to the floor, he should be in good shape. Um, he is, uh, a strong grappler, good wrestler, and that's, that's, and he's a former LFA Bantamweight champion. So I think 
as long as Johns uh, sticks to his guns, doesn't screw around on the feet for extended periods of time, um, and does find a way to get inside, he should be in good shape. Um, that being said, Batista does have a six-inch reach advantage. So as long as Johns is able to get inside of Batista's reach advantage, I think that he gets the job done. Uh, Johns is too talented of a wrestler and a strong enough grappler that he might even be able to get a finish from top position. But if Batista is able to keep Johns at bay, this could be a long night for the grappler. But I do think uh, Johns gets the job done. Uh, he's a favorite for a reason, but uh, Batista is talented enough to make this interesting. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Alex Morano, who is 17 and 5, taking on Kalen Williams, who is 9 and 1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Morono opened minus 195, the comeback on Williams at plus 155. And right now what you're seeing over at BetDSI is Morono minus 313, the comeback on Williams at plus 249. So Lamar have tightened up, everybody coming in Morono's way. I get it. I mean, at minus 195, you got to go in Morono's way. I mean, look, Chaos Williams, as they like to call him, I mean, the guy is definitely chaos. And there's no doubt about it. The guy's strong. He's athletic. He's got big power on the feet. He's got wrestling. So... I mean, I'm kind of contradicting myself from what I just said with Morona, right? But that said, he's taking this fight on short notice. And if you're watching this guy on film, he's a bit sloppy on the feet. So even though he is a threat, I mean, he just wills these big punches. He's coming in aggressive at you. And again, I mean, it is kind of dangerous for sure when somebody's wailing those big bombs at you and has that kind of power and connects, no doubt. But um, he closes the gap, gets some takedowns as well. But I just think his stamina issues, his kind of sloppy technique overall is going to get him in trouble in, in this fight against Morano. So if he can't, to get takedowns right away and actually keep and control Morono on the ground, um, I think he's going to be in big trouble here because eventually Morono is going to find his spot. I mean, Morono does have some defensive issues at times as well, and that is a little bit of concern, especially at the price now. You can't go too nuts with it. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't recommend anything much over 300, 350 or whatever if you're going to bet him or put him in a parlay because Williams has that kind of power. And again, I mean, both kryptonites. Morono has been clipped. He's been rocked before, obviously. Um, he's also been um, put on his back and controlled on the floor. And again, both ways that Williams can win this fight. But again, in a three-round fight, I don't think he gets it done. I think Morono, he's just a savvy vet, spot way better competition throughout his career. I mean, you can't even compare those resumes either. So it's Morono's fight to win. He should get it done here. So it'd be kind of a flukish loss if not. So that said, I'm going to go with Morono as a pick. And again, around the spot where he is now, it's still probably a little bit of parlay material. Um, but if he gets too much higher, probably approach with caution to stay away. But the pick is Morono. Yeah, Williams is stepping in on as a replacement on short notice for this fight for uh, Diego Lima, who you know backed out in uh, late January with an, an injury. So uh, that is... Uh, a big concern. I mean, this guy is talented. He's nine and one, but Morono is a guy that even though he's not the most athletic and not the most technical, he has power. He has a pace. He has heart and he gets wins against guys that I consistently pick him to, 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 to lose against. <laughs> so I've, I've consistently underestimated Morono throughout his UFC career and uh, while I do think Williams has some talent, uh, his biggest problem is strength of schedule. I mean, he's had 10 professional fights and more than half of his career opponents have had a losing record. Um, he's just not ready to, to be fighting in the UFC yet. He needs more experience. Uh, Murano's already faced some really talented UFC fighters. He's, a, I think, a nine-fight UFC veteran at this point. So for Williams to be stepping in and facing someone like him, I think is a massive step up in competition. And while he does have a puncher's chance, uh, uh, I just don't think Williams has the, the, the ability or experience to, to, to handle Murano. So I'm going to side with Alex Murano. I think he gets the job done. He should, uh, either win a decision or potentially a knockout. So Murano is my pick. Now, dropping down to the women's flyweight division, we have Andrea KGB Lee, who is 11 and 3, taking on Lauren Murphy, who is 11 and 4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? 
Lee opened up minus 305 to come back on Murphy at plus 225. And what you're seeing right now over at BetDSI is Lee minus 357 to come back on Murphy at plus 280. So line marks have tightened up. Lee getting a little bit more action. Not surprised. She is definitely the more popular fighter. But you know what? Man, I wouldn't sleep on Murphy in this fight, man. Murphy has fought a lot of good competition throughout her career, throughout Invicta and the UFC, of course. I mean, she's faced really the best of the best out there pretty much. I mean, not all the best fighters, but you know what I'm talking about. She faced a lot of great competition. Andrea Lee has as well at this point of her career, but what I'm trying to say here is Murphy's not going to be intimidated. She's not going to be overwhelmed by anything Lee has to bring to the table. And Murphy does have a few paths to victory in this fight. And again, if it hits a scorecards and it's a competitive decision, you got to watch out for those judges. So that is a concern off the rip right away. But I mean, honestly, the improvements as Lee's made in her game, I think she's better practically everywhere the fight takes place. I think Murphy's tough. She's a, a gritty fighter. She, she likes to push forward, pushes a high pace, maybe even look for a takedown or two along the way. Um, so she's going to be in Lee's face. That's for sure. But I think Lee's going to do damage along the way, pick her part. I, I just think, like I said, Lee's going to be too fast for her. She's going to be too good for her probably everywhere the fight takes place. Even if she does get put on her back, I mean, I think Lee's capable probably of getting back up, um, scrambling out and maybe even giving her, uh, Murphy some fits on the ground with her jujitsu, even though Murphy does have a sound ground game in her own right. So I just think it's going to be a tough fight, tougher than probably most people think in this spot. But at the same time, I can see Lee just kind of lighting Murphy up at times as well. So I, I do like the improvement I see in Lee. I mean, I think that there's definitely, I know she's coming off of a, a tough loss, a close competitive loss as well. So she needs to kind of bounce back up because there was a lot of hype behind her and a lot of love for Lee really kind of making a run towards uh championship gold at one point, you know, so I think people want to see her kind of get back on track and, and this is a must win for her if she's going to kind of go back on that route. So that said, I do pick Lee, but at the betting window, personally, I probably stay away. Yeah. Based on pure ability, uh, I would definitely favor Lee. Uh, she's the better technical striker. Uh, she lands, uh, some pretty good shots on the feet. She mixes it up. Well, she's pretty good on the ground. Um, but like as Nick mentioned, uh, Lauren Murphy is one of those fighters that makes up for a, a lack of athleticism and uh, a lack of, I would say, really good striking technique with heart and determination and pace and pressure. Um, and, and it does, it's helped her get wins that she probably should not have, have gotten earlier in her career. Uh, and she has had some quality performances. Uh, notably winning the Invicta belt. And, uh, she has racked up a, a few win- wins recently to, uh, become a, a bit of a player in the women's flyweight division. So, uh, I'm not going to discount, uh, Murphy, but, uh, you have to think that Lee is one of the, the players here at 125. Um, you know, coming off of a, a close, tough loss to Joanne Calderwood, who has soared up the rankings. Um, I, I feel like Lee is going to be extra motivated to get the job done, but, uh, you know, Murphy can definitely play spoiler. I, I don't see Murphy getting finished because she's tough as nails. She's got an iron chin. Um, and you know, she's just got so much heart. I don't see her submitting unless she gets seriously injured. So, uh, I think Lee's going to have her hands full, um, but I think overall her technique is going to win out over Murphy's determination. So I'm going to pick Lee, but uh, if she is not ready to just push a, a high pace and, and hang with Murphy's uh, pressure, then this could become a, a bit of an upset. But I will side with Lee for now. Now, moving on to the middleweight division, we have a contest between Trevin Giles, who is 11 and 2, and Antonio Arroyo, who is 9 and 3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Giles opened minus 195 to come back on Arroyo at plus 155. And right now, what you're seeing over at BetDSI is Giles minus 141 to come back on Arroyo at plus 118. So, action coming in on the dog. Making line a little bit lower here on Giles. I understand it. I mean, at that price, I probably would have hopped on the dog as well. This is going to be a competitive fight. I could realistically see it going either way. To me, this is kind of a spot where both these guys, I don't know. They, I mean, they both have so much potential and ability. It's almost a letdown for them to be 
kind of on a skid. I mean, especially for Giles, he's losing back-to-back fights over solid competition and especially by submission. And he doesn't have horrible submission defense. It's just those guillotine chokes from, uh, I mean, Cummings and Mearshart. I mean, those guys are definitely good submission uh, fighters and they're capable of, once they lock on those guillotines, you're not getting out of it. So, I mean, there's something to be said about that. So I don't think, obviously, Arroyo in this spot is not Mearshart or Cummings. So he's not going to have those submission problems here. Um, so what I'm saying is maybe we're underestimating Giles, Giles a little bit here. He does have some power in the feet. He has some good wrestling. Um, he's explosive. So there's definitely things to like about him, but his defense on the feet at times, is a little sketchy. And with Arroyo, you cannot have that. I mean, Arroyo does have some power on the feet. He, he definitely has a well-rounded game in his own right, but I think that's where he wants to keep things is, is probably standing here. He doesn't want to get taken down. And I think that's kind of the path to victory for Giles. He can mix things up a little bit, maybe mix in some takedowns, but Arroyo is hard to hold down. So he's going to probably try to keep this fight upright and have success when he does on the feet against Giles as well. It'll be back and forth. Um, so again, I think it probably stays up for the majority of the fight, but Giles' takedowns might be able to get enough of the close rounds for him, if that makes sense. So, again, not a confident one for me, honestly. I wouldn't lay the chalk here, but I'm probably not going to uh, hit the dog where it's at now. I think a lot of the value's probably gone there. I'm going to actually pick Giles to win because I think he's a little bit more versed in, in the way he could get it done, I guess, and, and I think he could probably pull off the scorecards here if it does go, so I'm going to lean his way. But it's not a confident pick. Obviously, you guys could tell that as well, but I do hope that this is a good fight and I hope that we see both these guys kind of come away with some good out of this fight and not kind of take a, a backward step, you know, and losing to Munoz or losing to those, the two fighters that I just matched with Giles as well. So I expect better from these guys and uh, hopefully we see it here in this fight. Yeah, I'm right with you. Uh, in terms of pure striking ability, um, Arroyo is probably the better fighter on the feet compared to Giles. But Giles makes up for it with uh, that relentless pressure and the takedowns. So Arroyo is going to have that in the back of his head that Giles can take him down. That being said, uh, Giles is still a competent striker in his own right. And he's going to be competitive with Arroyo on the feet because Arroyo probably isn't going to be willing to commit fully on his strikes, knowing that if he leaves even the slightest opening, Giles can change levels and put him on his back. Uh, now, I am a little concerned about Giles' fight IQ after that last performance where he took on Gerald Mearshart, a guy that is not typically a good striker, and just got into a ground battle with a really talented uh, grappler and then got submitted. So, you know, I just – it was perplexing. Uh, this time around, get into that ground battle. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, because I do not see Arroyo being able to do even close to what Mearshart or Cummings was able to do to him. So uh, this time around, Giles stick to, should stick to what he does best, which is uh, aggressively push the pace on the feet, then mix in takedowns, get top position and go to work. So uh, if that doesn't happen, if he decides to screw around with his, you know, be having another bad fight IQ type of performance and stays on the feet the entire time, then Arroyo definitely has a shot. But if Giles fights to his ability, then he should win. He has just too much talent and he's too athletic and has, uh, his, his wrestling is too good for him to, uh, keep this fight upright the whole time. If, as long as he puts Arroyo on his back, he's going to win. So I think that's what he does. Now, moving on to the pay-per-view main card, we have a heavyweight contest between Derek Lewis, who is 22 and 7, and Alir Latifi, who is 14 and 7. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Lewis opened minus 265, the comeback of Latifi at plus 185. Right now, what you're seeing over at BetDSI is currently Lewis minus 250, the comeback plus 201. On Latifi. Man, what a weird fight. This is such a weird fight. It, just because Latifi, I mean, honestly, I think he's the better fighter out of the two. I mean, a lot of people are going to maybe criticize that or whatnot as well because Lewis has had some pretty decent success in the heavyweight division. But I think skill for skill, Latifi is the better striker. I think he's got the better wrestling, obviously, as well. Better submission game. Um, now, that said, Lewis is a hard guy to take down, hard guy to keep down, and a hard guy to submit. 
Um, so this fight probably stays upright for the most part. And the size of Lewis is going to be a lot to handle for Latifi. Unless, I, again, Latifi sparks him real quick with a big bomb and rocks Lewis and follows up with punches. It's going to be a difficult fight for Latifi because Lewis's sheer size is going to be just overwhelming. He does have some knockout power as well. Um, he's going to be a, just a hard guy to deal with against the cage. Imagine that up against the, in the clinch or whatnot. And the Latifi, again, he's a powerful guy. He's explosive. He's an athlete. He's definitely not out of this fight. And it's a competitive line too, if you're looking at it. So I do think he's got a shot to win. And again, I think he's the better technical fighter of the two, but it's just a head scratcher for me. And I'm staying far away from this fight. I want to see how Latifi does. I wouldn't be shocked if he pulls off the upset here, but at the same time, I doubt it. I think that again, size is going to trump everything in this fight. You have two skilled fighters, but unfortunately, I think the size is going to trump the overall skill set here because it's just going to be just too much for Latifi to handle. So we'll see. Maybe the heavyweight move, like his coaches and everybody else is saying, is the right move for Latifi. That's what we're hearing. Um, but I don't know. I don't buy it. And again, just a weird spot for me. So I'm going to just step back and watch, see how it plays out. And I'm going to pick Lewis to win, though. So my pure pick is Lewis, but head scratcher here. Yeah, I'm right with you. Uh, Latifi is a talented fighter, but he was undersized at light heavyweight in terms of height and reach. Now, in terms of physical strength, he was one of the strongest guys at 205, so I can understand that potentially moving up to heavyweight could be a good move for him because uh, he can utilize some of the, the, the speed and quickness. But, I mean, if he was already undersized at 205, what do you think is going to happen when guys can potentially be 60 pounds heavier? Um, I think uh, Latifi could be in some big trouble. Um, that being said, uh, Derek Lewis does have occasional issues with guys that can use speed and technique against him. Uh, Lewis is ferociously powerful. I mean, if he connects with anything against Latifi, I think it's going to be good night Latifi. But if Latifi's able to, you know, duck in and out and utilize speed and quickness and technique, then there's going to be opportunities to, to do some damage against Lewis. Uh, Lewis does not have the greatest chin. He doesn't have particularly good striking defense. So if Latifi can do some damage at some, you know, he can, he could potentially hurt Lewis and finish him. Uh, Lewis has been knocked out quite a few times now, uh, but Latifi's been knocked out a couple times. He, his conditioning was a question mark in uh, some of his recent performances. So um, I'm definitely concerned here. Like if Derek Lewis gets on top of Ilir Latifi, this fight's going to be over in, you know, the, the ref should stop the fight after like two punches are landed um, because Lewis's ground and pound is so devastating. So I'm definitely concerned about this fight, but uh, you know, there is still potentially a puncher's chance for Latifi, but I think Lewis gets the job done. I just think he's going to be too big and too strong. Uh, I don't think Latifi can do anything on the ground against him. And Latifi is going to have to showcase his kickboxing, which has never really been his strongest suit. So I'm going to side with Derek Lewis. I think he wins by knockout. Now, dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Dan Ige, who is 12 and 2, taking on Mirsad Bektic, who is 13 and 2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Ige opened minus 135, Bektic at minus 105, and right now what we're seeing over at BetDSI is Bektic minus 135, the comeback, and Ige plus 113, so line flipped. I can understand it. Bektic is honestly one of the best featherweights in the world. I mean, skill set wise, he's there. He's got everything. He's a total package. The guy has really explosive hands when it comes to boxing. He's got that knockout power behind it as well. So he's hard to deal with on the feet. Um, good clinch work, of course, and, and more to it than just his hands in boxing, but he's got that wrestling. He overpowers most of his opponents. He's able to dictate and control the tempo and the pace of the fight. Um, he's got the grappling skill as well. So he is a very complete fighter, strong, just a tough out. And, you know, I, honestly, there was so much hype coming into his UFC career that a lot of people thought he would just kind of roll his way all the way towards um, a potential title shot. And he's had some setbacks along the way. And a lot of that has been 
a couple issues, his chin and his conditioning. Now, his conditioning at times doesn't seem that bad, but in grueling fights, I mean, it does definitely let him down, takes a toll on him, and he starts slowing down and fighting a little bit worse at times now. But that said, I mean, he is, like I said, a handful to deal with, and Ige is going to have some problems here against Bektik's strength and his size and his physicality for sure, and even on the feet. But I really think that, I mean, you have two complete fighters here. Ige is very complete as well. I've been nothing but impressed with him. I mean, after his debut loss to Arce, um, I think Ige has taken his game to another level. He's he's definitely comfortable now. I mean, his striking has gotten better. His Obviously, his wrestling and his ground game um, has been amazing as well. So he's really just clicking on all cylinders right now. And I'm telling you, it's, it's he's a real threat on the feet as well. And I think that's probably where he wins his fight if he wins it. Because I don't think he's going to be able to out-wrestle Bektich too much here in this spot. Um, because Bektich, honestly, I mean, I think he's only been taken down once. And that was a quick takedown of Lamas. And it's not even, I don't think, scored in the fight metric database as an actual takedown, but it kind of was. It was just one of those things that he flowed back to his feet so quick that you could kind of score it either way. So that's how good this guy's takedown defense is. But Lamas did give him some problems in the wrestling department in that fight if you go back and watch that. But that said, I don't think Ige is going to have that kind of success unless he does her back just on the feet first. And then, of course, you can out-wrestle your opponent if you got him kind of half hurt and half wobbled. So um, that could happen here as well, but I think more so than anything else, it's going to be um, Ige keeping this fight upright. I don't think Bektic is going to be able to control him that whole time and just kind of pin him up against the fence and, and get him down and hold him down on the ground. I think Ige is going to work his feet, his way back up to the feet, get off the fence, and really find his way in open space. And I think he is, even though the competitive uh, striking will be back and forth, I think Ige is going to be landing the harder shots. He's got the better chin, and now he's got the confidence and it's backing up up as well, knowing that he could finish fights like he – I mean, the, the thunder that he's been throwing lately, I mean, it, it's been phenomenal to watch. And Bektik coming off that knockout loss, I don't know. I don't think this bodes well. It's not a good spot for him. I mean, you know, especially fighting a confident um, slugger right now and what Ige kind of turns out to be. Because even in the submission that, that he has recently, um, the submission win – he was able over Henry, that is, I should clarify a little bit. He was able to kind of rock Henry before he jumped on the sub as well. So, I mean, it's, it's about Ige striking right now, more so than his ground game. I know a lot of people think it's about his ground, but I think he is the complete package. And I think it's, if he wins this fight, it is going to be a striking that clips Bektich's chin and gets it done. So it's a dogger pass situation. I kind of agree more so with the opening line. I think you can make a case for Ige being a slight favorite despite all the hype around Bektich. So I'm going to pick Ige to win this fight. Um, even if he's losing, I think he's got the capability of finishing this fight uh, with his power, even in the third round. Um, that's not another question. So I think Ige wins it. Now, if you're betting this fight, you got to approach it with caution because you are, if you're betting Ige, you're betting against one of the best featherweights on the planet, I think, in Bektich. So you have to realize that. I mean, if it goes to the cards, there's a chance, you know, that you could lose this fight as well. But I think there's just more ways for Ige to win and the value is on that side, especially at plus money. So the pick is Ige. And I understand the Ige pick. Um, he has been performing very well lately. That being said, you know, Mirsad Bektich is a guy that when he entered the UFC, I instantly thought that he could be a contender in the featherweight division. And he's proven himself against some of the best fighters in the world. Um, excellent performances, you know, particularly the, you know, winning the decision against, uh, Lamas. But, um, that being said, there have been some issues, as Nick mentioned. Conditioning is a bit of a problem, and particularly, he does not have the greatest chin. Uh, you saw that in the loss to Emmett. Uh, you know, he just he got hit with a, a heavy jab, and that kind of set up the a TKO loss. So that is something that you always have to be concerned of with Bektich, because uh, he can be winning a fight up until he loses it. Basically, that's what happened also in the Elkins fight. You know, he was destroying Darren Elkins, like 10-7 rounds, and then got tired, and Elkins finished him in the third round because Elkins just wouldn't go away. So uh, there is always going to be the possibility that Bektich can lose a fight. Uh, but in terms of pure talent, he has Ige beat. Uh, he's the better striker. He has the better technique. I think his power is just as good as Ige, if not better. Um, and even though Ige is a typically a ground-based fighter with really good takedowns, Bektich is the better wrestler and grappler of the two as well. So as long as Bektich fights to his ability and doesn't get clipped, you know, with something real nasty and uh, doesn't gas, he should win. Uh, but you know that doesn't always happen. So I can c completely understand siding with 
Ige, who has been on a roll. Uh, but I still believe in Mirsad Vektic. I think he can get wins against most fighters in the top 15 if he fights to his ability. So I'm going to side with him here, but I'm definitely going to exercise caution again because uh you just cannot trust the guy's chin at this point. So if he connects with something nasty, Bektich probably goes down. But I will side with Bektich here because I just think physically – uh, you know, he does have, uh, some good, uh, reach ability here. If he can keep Ige at bay, he should be in, in a, a good position. So Bektich is my pick, but I am nervous about it. Now, moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Justin Taffa, who is three and one, taking on Juan Adams, who is five and two. Now, Nick. What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Adams minus 185, Tafa plus 145. That was the opener right now. What you're seeing over at Bet DSI is minus 244 for Adams and come back on Tafa plus 198. It's kind of a tricky one, man, because right now I don't know. I don't trust either one of these guys, to be honest with you. Obviously, it's a, it's a pretty clear-cut scenario here. Adams probably wins with his wrestling, gets his fight to the ground, and just batters Tafa. I mean, Tafa doesn't have a good ground game. He's not up to par yet in that area. He's a striking-based fighter. Didn't have a successful UFC debut. In fact, showed terrible fight IQ there as well for being a striker especially, but that said, that's his path to victory here. So Tafa is the striking-based fighter. He does have a p- ability and potential to knock Adams out on the feet, especially with the way Adam defends at times. I mean, he's doesn't have a bad chin, I wouldn't say at all. I mean, he hasn't really showed too much of that, but um, defensively, you can definitely crack Adams a little bit, but you have to be careful because Adams can crack you back. I mean, his stand-up is not as technical as Tafa's, but at the same time, he does have some power, and he throws, you know, at times pretty pretty heavy pretty often as well. So, But make no mistake, Adams is going to want to take this fight to the floor, and Tafa's going to want to sprawl brawl, keep this fight upright. So I get it. I'm going to go with the wrestler here. I'm going to agree with Adams getting this fight to the floor and probably finding – a way to victory there on the ground with his ground and pound. Um, but I mean, I would be cautious here again at that price because I think there's a lot of mental issues. I mean, Adams in his last fight against Hardy, I think that was a big issue. Honestly, was just mentally where he was at. And he's even come out and said, um, you know, that I believe he's getting some help um, in that area as well, which is good. At least he knows and he's trying to kind of address that. But I mean, the mental game in MMA is huge. And when your head's not there, where you're, you're not confident where you're second guessing yourself, I mean, coming off of a loss like he just did, I don't know. I'm, I'm not ultra confident, but he should get this fight done. Adams is definitely the better fighter, mixed martial artist at this point of his career. And I can understand people coming in under two to one and hitting Adams at that point. But now as it approaches two and a half to one, almost, you know, if it climbs up towards 300, you definitely have to approach this with caution. So I don't fight. I don't think either way this fight hits the scorecards. Um for sure, I think, you know, either one of these guys gets it done inside, but it's probably Adams that gets it done, and probably so on the ground, as I said. So the pick is Juan Adams to get it done for me. And my my issue here is I just don't trust Juan Adams at this point. He uh did not perform well his last two fights, and even in his UFC debut, he really didn't perform that well, uh, taking it all the way to the third round against a guy that went one and three in the UFC. Uh, before he finally got the win. So, yeah, uh, Adams is a big guy. He has some power. He has some athletic gifts, but I just don't think he's that good. Um, so while Tafa obviously disappointed big time in his UFC debut, he just got clipped. He looked bad. Um, I still think that he's a talented striker and I think this fight uh, stays upright. Um, you know, Adams just has not been able to perform, uh, to the level that I think a UFC fighter has, is capable of. And, uh, I think this fight could be quick. Uh, Tafa has a lot of power, even though he did get finished quickly in his last fight. I think that might make people underestimate him a little bit. You know, that, that guy, this guy came in as a decent favorite in that fight. So I think now that he put that UFC debut behind him, as long as Tafa responds well to the loss and has put in the time in the gym, uh, I think that he's in a better position here. So I think if this fight stays upright, it might not even have to stay upright that long. So I'm going to side with Tafa. I think he actually gets a, a first round knockout. 
Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening, we have the women's flyweight title on the line as women's flyweight champion Valentina Shevchenko, who is 18-3, and three, takes on Caitlin Chukagian, who is 13-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Shevchenko opened minus 600, the comeback on Shukagian at plus 400. And right now what we're seeing over at DSI is minus 1400, minus 1429 actually on Shevchenko and the comeback on Shukagian is at plus 801. So line margins have tightened up. Needless to say, everybody coming up. Shevchenko at minus 600. I don't blame you. Minus 600, I would too. Um, I know that's, you know, not trying to be disrespectful to Shukagian. She's a good fighter. She's a great fighter. I mean, she's getting title shot for a reason. She's definitely one of the best flyweights in the world. Um, she's proven that time and time again, skill set, coaching, I mean, everything. She's got a lot of great things going for her. And this is not going to be an easy fight for Shevchenko either because Shukagian does have a path to victory here, and it's bad judgment. And I'm saying that because I don't think Shukagian realistically should win on the scorecards against Shevchenko. Um, I don't think Shukagian can really outpoint Shevchenko, but I think if she makes it close enough and there's weak judges that, of course, I mean, we could see a bad decision go her way. So I would approach this fight right now with caution. And I'm saying that off the rip, but that's realistically the only path of victory Shukagian has. I don't see her finishing Shevchenko. I mean, she's just not really a finisher. So Shevchenko is obviously pretty durable overall as well. Um, honestly, she's faced better competition throughout her career. So I, I think Shevchenko can probably get some takedowns here if she needs to. She doesn't have to. She can outstrike Shukagian, do uh, more damage along the way. Um, but I think both of these ladies are durable enough that it probably does hit the scorecard and goes so that said a minus 1200 favorite with the just it the odyssey i mean just the stupidity that we see from the judging these days i mean you cannot trust it and you cannot lay that or even at this point minus 1400 third and a parley why you know there's no point so just stay away from it right now i would not bet you kagan as a a dog um, I mean, if you're going to better, you might as well take that decision prop and better like plus 900. I think it was last time I checked or so, uh, Chukagian by decision. So if you're going to better, that's probably the way to do it to get even more, uh, plus money on her. But outside of that, just kind of stay away from it. I think Shevchenko wins this fight. She's the best pound for pound fighter in the women's divisions. I don't care. Like, I know she's lost to Nunes twice. I've said it time and time again. Um, but. The size did make a big factor there, and I think skill-wise, and again, pound-for-pound-wise, Shevchenko is the best female fighter on the planet. I firmly believe that, and I'm going to stick to my guns with it. So I don't think Shukagian is going to be the the woman to derail that right now, and I think Shevchenko is going to keep on rolling. I don't know. We're going to see who's – if anybody derails that train of Shevchenko. She's just so good right now. She's so talented. I mean, sky's the limit for her, really. So the pick is Shevchenko. If you're going to bet this fight – I don't know. I'd still caution a little bit, but Shevchenko should win this fight. If you're going to bet it, I mean, there's better fights to, to bet on this card, as we just mentioned, and there's more cards coming up ahead. So don't force anything on this fight. Yeah, and I'm right with you. Uh, as Nick mentioned, uh, Chukagian, her point fighting style is really the only thing that she has going for her here. Um, she does not have the ground ability to hang with Shevchenko. Uh, she doesn't have the power to hang with Shevchenko. I don't think she has the technique to hang with Shevchenko. Um, Shevchenko, I mean, I mean, Chukagian lost a, a striking fight to Jessica I, someone that Shevchenko just obliterated. So I think, uh, you know, Chukagian, I mean, what she really has going for her is she's long. She throws a lot of volume, even though she doesn't hit very often. So, uh, as Nick mentioned, maybe, she could convince the judges that those strikes are landing because, you know, she's like doing those little hiyas like Holly Holm after every strike. So if they're thinking every one of those strikes is landing, then that's her best chance. But other than that, I just don't see it. Uh, she doesn't have, like I said, the, the, the technique, the power, the submission ability anywhere to, to match with Shevchenko. Shevchenko is a massive favorite in this fight for a reason. Um, I think she is one of the best women's fighters pound for pound in the world, right up there with Nunes. So, uh, I just think it's, I think it'll be more of a, a, a lazy day at the office for Shevchenko. I, I don't know if Shevchenko can get the finish because Chukagian is tough and, uh, I don't see her giving up, uh, you know, a big head kick type of thing, uh, because Chukagian is, uh, you know, tall and long and usually does keep her distance and defends well. So uh, I just think Shevchenko outpoints her over the course of five rounds and wins an easy decision. 
So my pick is going to be Shevchenko. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening in the men's light heavyweight division, we have John Jones, who is 25 and one with one no contest, taking on Dominic Reyes, who is 12 and 0. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers perspective on this one? Here we go. Main event. John Jones minus 400. The comeback on Reyes at plus 300. That was my opening line. And right now what we're seeing over at BetDSI is currently minus 417 for Jones. The comeback plus 315 for Reyes. Now market price out there on the Don Best screen is about minus 450 out there. So minus 450 plus 350 seems to be the market average. It's been staying steady like that. I do believe this fight will close lower. I think it's going to close south of plus 300 as far as the underdog goes because I think we will see at some point some sharp action coming in and hitting Reyes in this spot. I know that sounds crazy for all you John Jones backers and fans out there, but again, it's about line value more than anything else right now. And there's a video out there, of course, me uh, hitting uh, Reyes at Westgate Superbook in Vegas at plus 375 odds. That line's been bouncing up and down since then. In fact, they're back up to plus 375 as we talk now, and uh, they were down to about three, uh, 350, 340 um, not too long ago. So it's, again, it's just kind of bouncing back and forth. They are expecting a lot of action on John Jones. Books across, you know, obviously across the board are expecting a ton of actions on John Jones as well. I mean, he's going to get put in all sorts of parlays. So the number will kind of stay high to kind of fight some of that stuff off. But again, make no mistakes. There's going to be a lot of some public action, of course, taking a stab at a dog in a main event like this. You're going to have a lot of that, but you're also going to get some sharp action coming in on the underdog Reyes here as well. So it's interesting and we're going to see where this line closes. Cause I, I really do think it probably closes under plus 300, but maybe I'm wrong here again with John Jones and these big time names like that with the Conor McGregor's with Rousey back in the day. I mean, with this level, I mean, you just don't know how high these lines are capable of closing at times. So I get it. I respect it. But that said, this fight is, is definitely interesting. I mean, John Jones, one of the best fighters of all time, pound for pound. Of course, we all know that. Just so dominant, man. I mean, you guys are so good everywhere the fight takes place. He's just a freak. I mean, just ahead of his time in a lot of ways. I mean, and his reign has just been amazing overall, really. I mean, so I get it. I understand why everybody's just in love with watching him fight. And he's just been so dominant overall. Um, just special ability. I mean, you cannot really compare him to anybody. I mean, he's got that length on the feet, of course. He knows how to use it really well. He's effective with his strikes. I mean, I know he's not really a one-punch knockout artist, but, man, he could just dice you apart with those elbows and with the technique that he has and the way he just throws the angles and those kicks and everything, of course, with his knees. I mean, Jones is devastating on the feet for sure. But his wrestling is one of the best, you know, I've seen, obviously, in light heavyweight division history, but not just that. I mean, in the sports history, you know, John Jones has that octagon wrestling that is on par with the best ever. I mean, he, he just has that about him. He could take down, he's taken down wrestlers time after time again, now, time after time again. You've seen it. I mean, he, he even took DC down, one of the best wrestlers ever to grace the sport. So, I mean, Jones has that ability. He's got submissions to go along with it, has nasty ground and pound. But with all me, all these praises I'm giving John Jones, if you look back at his last eight fights or so, we haven't saw that dominant champion. I mean, he's had some time off with unfortunate personal issues, USADA, all that stuff we know. And I think that kind of has taken a toll. I mean, I know it's let his body heal up at least, so it's got to kind of be good for in that regard. I mean, fighting all those fights and how those high-level wars that he's fought, um, you would think that's okay. But on the other side of it, I mean, I just think that we've seen him slowly slip a little bit and not be as dominant and, and kind of, I guess – I don't want to say lose a step to where he was at one point, but that, that kind of is, is what it seems like to me, at least. He's not as dominant. He's not as sharp as he once was in all aspects of the game, and he's kind of fighting more to the level of his competition than than he has in a while as well. With that said, I think Reyes presents a lot of problems here because, again, a lot of people are going to look at Reyes and say, hey, he's not ready. He's only had 12 fights or so. I get that as well. You cannot compare resumes. John Jones is far above ahead of him in that regard, but. Reyes has been tested in the UFC. It's not like he's been fighting a bunch of bums thus far. I mean, obviously he's an athlete, and of course I know people are mocking that with the um, the UFC uh, embedded episodes or whatnot, and, and you know with uh, him coming out saying that Jones has never fought an athlete like him. Okay, I, all jokes aside about that. I mean, there is something to that, but I get it. I mean, Jones has faced every possible scenario that you can face, so there's nothing that Reyes is going to really bring to the table that he kind of hasn't seen before. So I get that, but. Reyes does present some problems in the striking department, and he has a good enough takedown defense, and he has 
ability to get up if he is taken down to the point and ground savvy enough that I think he could survive with John Jones on the ground and probably keep this fight upright more so than on the ground. And if that's the case, he's got a chance here on the feet with Jones. I think he's a special type of striker, Ray, as is as well. I mean, he's got that devastating knockout power, whether it's a kick, you know, coming at you, what you don't expect. The timing is good. I mean, he just, he throws it up there with accuracy and he throws it up there just kind of carefree and it just, it gets there with those head kicks, of course, or body kicks, liver kicks. Um, his unorthodox punches when he angles, you know, we've seen him angle off a cage and land those punches as well. Um, I mean, his footwork really, he said it, you know, in his pre-fight interviews or whatever, he thinks his footwork, um, is key to this fight and it really needs to be if he's going to have success on the feet against Jones. But I think he does have the ability to find some of those angles and land on Jones and at least keep this fight straight and close, at least, um, close enough to make things interesting and maybe, get through that armor of Jones and, and uh, make him look human at times. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, nobody's really been able to do it all that much. I mean, Jones, of course, has not lost a fight uh, since that DQ, that crazy questionable DQ loss to uh, Hamill, that is. But that said, um, he has looked human at times, and I think this is another spot where Reyes can make him look more than human. So it's a dog or pass situation for me at the betting window because the line should not be plus 300, should not be plus 350. Like I said, to me, it should be south of that. Now, if this was a pure pick em fight, make no mistake, of course I'm going to pick John Jones. There's no question about it, but we're not talking about a pick em type of fight, and we're not talking about a fight that's two to one. We're talking about a fight that's four and a half to one right now, and I think the line is a bit high. So could be wrong, of course. Um, and I'm, again, I'm not, I said this on the show as well, another show, at least I should say. Um, I'm not just fading John Jones and waiting for him to lose a fight. That's not what it's about. I didn't take Thiago Santos. I didn't take Anthony Smith. I'm not looking for that. I just think Reyes can really present some problems here against John Jones. And the experience factor that everybody's kind of pointing at here against Reyes, I don't think that's going to come into play as much. I mean, you got to definitely consider that. But when the cage door closes and the octagon, and these guys start throwing, I think um, Reyes has a better shot than most people think. So at the plus money, at plus 300, I got to take a stab at that for sure. Plus 300, plus 350. Like I said, I have a video of me going in and hitting it plus 375. Um, again, you can't go crazy and you can't you know, risk your life savings on this spot against one of the best fighters ever. Uh, you'd be insane to do that. But if the value's there, you can't be afraid to take a little stab at it. And that's exactly what I'm going to do here. So my pick is going to be John Jones. As I said, a pure pick for sure. I got to pick John Jones. I think he should win this fight more times than not. But from the betting window, from the value, it's a dollar pass situation. That's where my money would be. So the pick is John Jones for me. But I mean, I hope I'm wrong and I hope it's a dog situation here and he comes through. So go Ryan's. And there's not much more that I need to add that Nick didn't already say there. Uh, John Jones is one of the, the great, is not just one of, but the greatest fighter of all time. I mean, so well-rounded, so diverse, and able to not just beat opponents, but typically he beats opponents at their own game. Um, you know, he out-wrestles wrestlers, he out-grapples grapplers, uh, he out-strikes strikers. Um, that almost cost him, though, his last fight. You know, Tiago Santos is a talented kickboxer, but he had no ground game. If Jones wanted to, he could have taken that fight to the floor and finished it in the first round, I think. I honestly think he could have done that. And for some reason, he stood with the guy, even though Santos had injured both of his knees and would have been easy to take down. He stood with him for five straight rounds and just had a kickboxing match and almost lost it. It was a very competitive fight. So... That is a huge concern for me that, uh, Jones, you know, was either so cocky or, uh, thought that he was doing so well in the fight that he just did not change his, his tactics. Um, and knowing that on the feet here, he actually is potentially going to be at a disadvantage against Reyes with Reyes having the power and speed and, uh, I think the, the better, some at least better technique. Now, obviously Jones has the crazy reach and he is just a very unorthodox fighter. He can be very difficult to deal with. And, and Reyes has not faced anybody like Jones. I mean, honestly, the, the best striker Reyes fought, uh, was Ozdemir and Ozdemir gave, uh, Reyes a huge test and Reyes, I thought, lost that fight. But he ended up winning a, a close decision on the judges' scorecards. So uh, I do think that as long as Jones fights to hit the best of his ability, 
uh, to his potential, he should win this fight potentially easily, but he has not been fighting well. Uh, I mean, it's been a while since he's had one of those dominating performances that make you think that he's this transcendent fighter. I mean, there's a reason that I've dropped him in my current UFC pound for pound rankings because he just has not been performing. So I'm going to obviously pick John Jones here because the talent is still undeniable, but Reyes is a threat. And if Jones screws around again, eventually he's going to screw around so much that he gets caught or he loses a decision. I mean, that's what happened with Anderson Silva after all those years of clowning and screwing around and uh, people complaining and wondering what, what was going to happen. And then he screwed around and clowned around and got blasted by Chris Weidman. So it could happen here, but I'm still going to side with John Jones because I do think that he is by far the better fighter and more well-rounded fighter. He just needs to use it. So John Jones is going to be my pick. So that'll do it for a full event breakdown for UFC 247. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOBPremium on Twitter because that's what we'll post first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Special thanks to BetDSI. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.